Welcome to the Crossview Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy the message this morning. For more information, visit us at mycrossview.com. Crossview to another week of Church Online. We're very grateful that you're joining with us. Just want to say thank you for last week and our Easter celebration. Uh, It's been really great to join together. Did you know that in the last three weeks online, we've had nine people who have given their heart to Jesus for the first time? Isn't that incredible that God can work even in this way? I'm so, so thankful. Well, for the next few weeks, we're going to move, we're going to transition and and start a new series called Life After Easter, where we're going to be looking at what life was like uh, for the disciples following Jesus's resurrection and his ascension. During this series, we're going to explore that, exactly that, what what life was like for the disciples. And I'll let you in on a little secret. It was not very easy. The disciples faced many difficult circumstances following the last week of Jesus' life on earth. And we're going to look at what they learned from Jesus and how they chose to live out the message of Jesus after he was gone. Our question is going to be this. How were they living as resurrection people? And how can we incorporate that same way of living into our own spiritual journey in these days? And as a way to immediately relate with the disciples uh, after Jesus' death and resurrection, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever been fearful? Now, that almost seems like a silly question to ask right now. Yes, I think we all have. Uh, We all have been and, and we are. And there are so many people around us who are experiencing fear as well. We already know, but we're being reminded that there are many ways that fear can enter our life. And it doesn't matter who you are. One thing this pandemic has done is to remind us all that whether we're rich, poor, blue collar, white collar, male, female, young or old, we are all in the same boat together. So as we take a look at the life of the disciples after Jesus' death and resurrection, I also, we need to recognize that that, that that presented some significant challenges for them as well. These women and men uh, faced hostile and dangerous environments in many different ways following Jesus' last week on earth. There's this tenuous relationship that we find between the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman officials in the New Testament. The Romans essentially said, Okay, Jewish leaders, if you keep your people under control, if they don't start a riot or rebellion and they pay their taxes, then we'll leave you to worship as you see fit. And that was all working well until this pesky rabbi named Jesus showed up on the world stage and traveled around teaching about what God was like and drawing large crowds. I mean, they even called him the king of the Jews. This was part of how the Jewish leaders convinced the Romans to help crucify Jesus. The religious leaders who opposed Jesus and the Romans who crucified Jesus thought that they had taken care of the problem at that point. We've killed the leader and now the rebellion will just fizzle out. But something happened that was a bit unusual. The followers of Jesus didn't just go away after his death. Instead, they preached new life. They continued to perform miracles, and more and more people were believing what they said. Isn't that incredible? They said that they were being witness, that they were witnesses to Jesus' resurrection. Uh, they, and as they preached that, many came to believe that Jesus was Lord and the Son of the living God. They believed that he was victorious over sin and death. And that the disciples, as they preached this, were inviting people to believe this. We just talked about this last week. 
So the problem was that the disciples didn't just disappear, and it was also that they didn't stop spreading the message of the gospel of Jesus. And this was a dangerous thing for them to do. So as we move into the books of Acts and Luke, uh, we, we find out that about the beginning of the church after Jesus' death and resurrection. Acts chapter 4 is a fairly well-known chapter, uh, especially the end of, cha- of the chapter, because believers began to sell all that they had to share with people in need. But earlier in the chapter, we get this fascinating story that I think we read maybe a, a, a too simply. We kind of just glance over it. At the beginning of Acts chapter 4, we find Peter and John preaching in the temple. They had been performing miracles, and they were teaching about Jesus' death and his resurrection. Well, one thing we find out in that chapter is that this didn't go over very well with the temple leaders. So the priests, the main temple guard, and some of the other leaders come to confront Peter and John. They had Peter and John arrested and put in jail overnight. What was going to happen to them? This was uncertain. They didn't know. And I bet that Peter and John find themselves afraid. Well, the next morning, uh, the religious leaders gather all the hierarchy, all the scholars, the local city officials, and they put Peter and John on trial. And the fascinating thing is that they didn't ask uh, why they were continuing to preach. They asked Peter and John this question, by what power or on whose name or authority do you preach? I love that question. We find this in Acts chapter 4, 5 through 7. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and the teachers of the religious law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? What I love about this question is that it clearly gives us an insight uh, as to the answer for addressing fearful situations in our lives. The answer to fear in our life is not necessarily the alleviation of our immediate situation. They didn't ask them, why are you doing this? The answer to addressing fear in our life is the same answer to the question that these leaders asked Peter and John. On what name or on whose power have you done this? And it's almost kind of a setup question, and I love, I just, you, you just can imagine what the answer is going to be, right? And the answer is, wait for it, Jesus. <laughs> the answer to fear in our life isn't necessarily the alleviation of our immediate situation. Rather, the answer is to recognize that Jesus is in the midst of the hardship with us. What happens is that then Peter launches into the same message that got them in jail in the first place. It is so bold. And we find this in Acts chapter 4, 8 through 10. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we have done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state it for all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. After the sermon, the council didn't know what to do with these two. They they saw that Peter and John spoke with boldness and courage and authority, even though it says that they were ordinary men. So the council 
uh, being afraid to start a riot, uh, told them to stop preaching and let them go. And what happens next is pretty incredible. Now think about what Peter and John just went through. It's a pretty harrowing ordeal. They were arrested, they were put on trial, and everybody came. It was a pretty traumatic experience. And what do you do after you've had a pretty traumatic experience? I don't know about you, but I tend to want to be around those friends and family and loved ones, uh, close relatives, and that's exactly what these two do. Look at Acts chapter 4, 23 through 31. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voice together in prayer to God. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. And that's exactly what they did. In fact, uh, in the very next chapter, Peter and John are still preaching and they're arrested again and they're miraculously freed from prison. Go read it. It's incredible. Then the story continues and the apostles are arrested for a third time in two chapters. They are brought before a very exasperated council again. And again, Peter begins to preach about Jesus. And the council essentially says, stop it. Aren't you afraid of anything? And let's see in Acts chapter 5, 29 through 32, it says this. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead after you killed him by hanging him on a cross. Then God put him in the place of honor at his right hand as prince and savior. He did this so the people of Israel would repent of their sins and be forgiven. We are all witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. At this, the council lost it, and they decided there and then to kill them. What Peter and the other apostles were doing was not just a harmless or innocent kind of thumb-nosing at the Jewish ruling council. The apostles were literally risking their lives by refusing to remain silent about Jesus. The persecution that they were facing was real and imminent. They never knew what they would face when they were entering into any particular place, any new place. And this was the moment that they had prayed for in Acts 4.29. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant to your servants, uh, grant your servants to speak your word with all boldness. 
So they loudly proclaimed in the face of this persecution, we cannot stop telling about everything that we have seen and heard. Wow. Isn't that, that's just so powerful. You see, Jesus knew us. He knew the heart of humanity. And Jesus understood our need for security, for safety. He understood our risk-averse nature. He understood that we fear change. And that's why he gathered his followers before he was arrested and before he was crucified. And he would look at them and he would say things like this. As he says to you and me, do not be afraid. Fear is going to come. Fear is an emotion. We all fear it. Fear may take us by surprise, but don't be afraid. For I have overcome sin and I have overcome the grave. And I will be with you. Here is a true reality, reality that we're all facing right now and that we understand this truth from Scripture, especially how the disciples lived as people of the resurrection. Uncertainty is unavoidable, but fear is optional. Let me say that again. Uncertainty is unavoidable, but fear is optional. The only thing for certain in this life is uncertainty. Uncertainty is unavoidable. But here's the message of Jesus for every one of his disciples, that that includes you and me. Uncertainty is unavoidable, but fear is optional through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus proved it in how he lived. Even though he may have experienced fear, he did not let uh, fear keep him from boldly following God's will for his life or to share the good news. It's the reason uh, that we are talking about it today. And it wasn't just Jesus. It was Peter and it was John standing in front of the council. It was the, the apostle Paul who brought us nearly half of the New Testament. It was the blood of Stephen, the first Christian martyr. It was countless stories of women and men from the first century through years to this very day who gave their life, risked it all for the message of the gospel. That Jesus lived, that he was crucified on the cross, that he was raised again, all to make a way for us to be with God and because he desires to be with us and he loves us and he loves you. It's because, because of his great love that we are all made brand new and we have a new future, even in the midst of what we face right now. Over and over, we see stories of people facing uncertainty and conquering their fear in life because of and through the power and help of Jesus, our risen Savior. Where might you today be stymied by fear this morning? Even in the uncertainty of situations and the uncertainty of the future, Jesus is faithful. He is loving. He has a plan for us and we can trust him. The disciples did and I'm so grateful that they did. I read an article this past week that said this, Christianity is the boogeyman of our age of radical individualism, but it contains immense resources for times of crisis. It's a faith forged not in the 21st century apathy, but in the blood of the Colosseum. It follows not a wealthy celebrity, but a tortured savior. Across millennia, through persecution, plague, famine, and war, the saving sacrifice of Jesus and sovereign purposes of God have inspired Christian communities to respond to crisis, not with self-help, but with remarkable solidarity in the hope of Jesus. Because 
It is a hope that, we're, that will never fail us, come famine, war, or plague. It's the hope of Jesus Christ. So I'd like to leave us with two questions this morning. And these answers to these questions are probably still something that we're figuring out, but these, uh, the, que- the answers to these questions can be so convicting. Here's the first one. Is your version of Christianity worth everything it took to get Christianity to the 21st century? Are you living out the boldness and courage that the disciples prayed for? The second question is a kind of a restatement of the first. Is the way that we live worth the price that was paid to get our faith here? Those are hard questions. Uncertainty is unavoidable, but with Christ's presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, fear is optional. Don't be afraid to open up to Jesus and be honest about these questions. Don't be afraid to reflect on your own life, to be encouraged by and filled with boldness and the Holy Spirit for these days in this uh, atmosphere we're in. On this uh, Sunday after Easter, may we be filled with that same courage and boldness that the Holy Spirit had given the apostles. May we not remain silent, but loudly proclaim the victory that Christ has won over fear and death. And may we experience the awesome power of our resurrected Lord. May we have the ability to trust and obey God with all our hearts. And may our joy be so great that our hearts be so full that they cannot be contained as we declare and live out all that the Lord has done for us. I encourage you to spend some time in prayer this morning following this time. Maybe talk with the people that are in your home. Maybe it's your family. Maybe call someone and discuss these things and pray together. But be encouraged that we, have, uh, the followers of Jesus, have faced uncertain times before. Uncertainty is unavoidable, but fear is optional because we have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at that a little bit more closely next week. Blessings on you, Crossview Church. Live with boldness even in the midst of these times. Uh, give words of hope and love to people around you because they need it and we have it. Blessings. See you next week.